0: aerofilms is a leading independent entertainment distribution company established in 1991 operating in the uk the republic of ireland united states of america and canada aerofilms is dedicated to supporting upcoming and established filmmakers of dynamic new cinema and developing a viable slate of quality films that enjoy a lasting legacy across its award-winning branded labels channels and platforms aerofilms is also a leading restorer and theatrical distributor of classic and cult horror films including landmark titles such as the 25th anniversary reissue of Cinema Paradiso, the 15th anniversary reissue of Donnie Darko, and the 30th anniversary reissue of Hellraiser. These lovingly restored films are brought back into cinemas nationwide with brand new look campaigns with wide-reaching distribution including outdoor event status screenings at various cultural festivals and as one-off bookings in local repertory cinemas and film societies. Aerofilms is also widely considered to be the global market leader in the premium home entertainment market fueled by passionate and expert curation aligned with state of the art, in house film restoration, resulting in highly sought after bespoke Blu ray editions of classic cult and horror films across its Arrow Video and Arrow Academy branded labels. Beloved by collectors, these ever expanding brands continue to delight their growing international fan base with regular interactive live events. Festival sponsorship and retail stands presence. Our offering extends to truly limited edition box sets as well as associated spin off products, now including books and vinyl records. We are so happy to have Aero Video as one of our new sponsors. You can find them at www.aerofilms.com. While you're there, be sure to pick up some cool titles, for example, They have the brand new American Werewolf in London collection, which is beautiful, the complete Sartana collection, Hellraiser 1, 2, and 3, Toys are Not for Children, a new edition of Al Pacino's Cruising, and let's not forget a limited edition copy of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and a limited edition copy of RoboCop. There's so much more I can't even get into them all, but trust me when I say they're fantastic, and we couldn't be happier to have them. So once again, visit Aerofilms Films at www.aerofilms.com and check out all of their brands from Aero Video, Aero Academy, Aero Films, and Aero TV. Honestly, the only thing I really ever knew about, like, pharmacists, and I'm sure it's changed so much since then, was uh, the pharmacist in It's a Wonderful Life. And <laughs> I was like, so- oh no, you might accidentally mix rat poison or whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so... What's funny is bringing pharmacy back into movies is there's really not that many movies about pharmacists, and there's very few movies that even have pharmacists in it. Um, so it's always fascinated me that like it's just random that way. I feel like it's
0: um, pharmacists, usually when they're in a movie, it's, you know, you've got like the natural born killers aspect, where you have, you know, the, the pharmacy is like, where they're gonna get their drugs or whatever or you know because they have to right. patch themselves up um, usually it's a, a a punchline or or a roadblock you know like right. um, uh, and I feel like we're gonna see far more of these types of movies now with the way the world's going <laughs> but there has been in the last couple of years a, a influx of of uh, uh, road trip abortion movies. Um, and uh, they usually start because a pharmacist is denying someone the Plan B pill. So, like, the <laughs> right. pharmacist is usually, like, a joke or, as I said, a it's a roadblock. Or, if we're going screenwriting, it is the inciting incident. The fact that a pharmacist wouldn't give someone the medication they need. They need to go on a crazy adventure to get right. medication. Uh, but, so. like... Other than like it's a wonderful life, like I can't think of like a a pharmacist who's had like a like. <laughs> granted, that was a small part of the movie, but like he was exactly. he was and integral was like... to that plot though.
1: Right. So the only other one... well, one of the other ones is um, and this is where pharmacist is a joke is in uh uh oh, what's it called? Drop Dead Gorgeous. I don't know if you ever saw oh, that. A while it's ago, like but a, yes, I've seen it. <laughs> the like one of the judges for the beauty pageant, is a pharmacist, and he's just like this. Like pedophilia, horned dog, and I'm like that's great that's <laughs> what we're, that's what people think pharmacists are mm-hmm. but or like um,
0: um uh, I feel like they're used a lot too with like um like it's usually like i I can't think of like a single time where someone's had like a a, a or a pharmacist has been used for a joke where it's like something like aspirin it's usually uh, like like um in um um Last American Virgin where like they took a uh, Vicodin and they took too many and now they have like a heart on or something or like, and then they have to go to like, talk to the farm. Like it's, it's right. Um, but no, I'm, trying, I'm sitting here trying to think is like, has there been like, just like a pharmacist move? I, I keep thinking like one hour photo, but that's not a pharmacist. That's a photo technician. A photo but, like, why isn't there like a, a drama about a pharmacist like could called good RX or
1: something? yeah right i don't know i mean it's int- you know it's just there is uh a movie called better living through chemistry that's a good title i think I, it's a great title and I, I wish i had seen it but i but i think there's a pharmacist in it but again it's more i think he becomes like a drug addict and it's more of a negative uh you know view of pharmacists like, there's no um the most interesting the other interesting one is in magnolia um and that I don't the
0: pt anderson film
1: yeah, I've not Anderson seen
0: it movie. yet, but I'm. It's it's on my list of things that I eventually want to see.
1: Um, and, and it's interesting. There's a small scene again, not a major scene. It's not a major play, but where like Julianne Moore goes to get medicate, like morphine for her father who's on hospice, and the pharmacist refuses to give it to her, and they, like, they make the pharmacist out to be like this villain. And I'm sitting there watching. And I'm like, he's doing his job. <laughs> like that's what he's supposed to be doing. I'm like, you know. I, I i i get it because from the other perspective it's frustrating but I'm like that's he's doing a good job that's <laughs> that's what he should be doing you should write an article in
0: defense of movie pharmacists <laughs> um it's it's also been funny too like just thinking about like the idea of like uh like pharmacists in movies it's like um so most of my knowledge of how a pharmacist works comes from movies which isn't doesn't give you much of anything but then I also realize right. it's like i've I've never seen a pharmacist in a movie that is actually plays out like, like my pharmacist. Usually, I'll go, I'll pick up my medication, and I'll go to the next window. The pharmacist is like, any questions? Nope. Cool. Like, <laughs> right. I've never seen that's, that in a movie.
1: <laughs> right? It's never that easy. And it's always a pharmacist. Like, in the real life, it's always a technician that's usually dealing with most of the people. And- mm-hmm. You know, pharmacists is back there doing other things, so it's trying not to mix uh, rat
0: poison in and stuff. That is
1: certainly uh, top of priority for us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's weird. I always wanted to make a uh, pharmacist movie, kind of like uh, in like the style of Clerks, where it's just like one night of like. Just because you can see some crazy, especially if it's like on third shift, you see some crazy shit come in. And then I I think that'd be great too, because like
0: I said, I don't think most people realize there are 24 7 farms, and there's not many anymore, but like I'm sure you get some weird stuff.
1: You do. And like we used to work, I well, like where me and Chris worked, we were right next to um, St. Luke's Hospital down here in Milwaukee, like the big hospital. And uh, so, you know, all night, you know, people would get discharged from the emergency room and come. So we were pretty busy. Uh, on third shift there. It was a, one of the busier third shift pharmacies. So,
0: <laughs> All right. Was there anything else you want to talk about or do you want to just get onto the topic at hand? No, let's just get, okay. let's get on there. Well, then I'm going to really try to book because like fun fact for people who don't already know this, I write out my intros. I write out every word. <laughs> I even write out the hello and welcome part. Like just in case I have <laughs> a brain fart. So I'm going to just do right. this completely clean. Take a sip of water. <laughs> If you can hear the dogs barking outside, because they're out having fun, and I'm here recording this.
1: Warning! This movie podcast discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements, endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie
0: podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Vyers and with me is a very special guest. Today, my good buddy Nick Richards could not make it but filling in for him is another good buddy of mine, friend of the show, but also a pharmacist and <laughs> co-founder of the Twisted Dreams Film Festival here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which I believe at this point is now the premier genre and horror film festival in, It might I don't know, I know it's for sure Milwaukee, it might even be Wisconsin, because I don't know if, if any of the other ones are still around, but without further ado, I have got... Stephen Millick.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> so uh, before we get to the topic at hand, um, tell me a little bit about the Twisted Dreams Film Festival. How did that come to be? And um, you're on, is this your fifth or sixth year at this point?
1: Seventh, Seventh?
0: year? Wow, I'm off.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, it's been the last couple of years have been kind of, you know, confusing because like the fifth year was supposed to be 2020. And, you know, so we had like an online two online festivals so fifth and sixth so gotcha um so it's still feels like the fifth year because we haven't been in person yeah and I, years,
0: i've been so. to every in person festival i think I, I think except for maybe one year where um i had just had a crazy scheduling at at best buy and i couldn't make it <laughs> but i've been to every in-person festival and even back when you guys were at the uh the underground collaborative
1: none of crap and those are good times um Yeah, it kind of started like, you know, uh, I mean, Chris, the other co-founder, we were actually uh, going to the Milwaukee Film Festival and we're like, you know, kind of like, wish the Milwaukee Film Festival would show more like horror, independent horror fest movies. I mean, they showed some, but we're like, "Uh I wish they would show more. And like, I don't know, it kind of started as like a little joke, like, hey, we should just start our own festival. And um, I think Chris posted something on Facebook and people responded pretty well and um Ross Bigley who runs the Milwaukee uh short film festival you know contacted us like hey if you really want to do this you know I can you know give you some tips so just like oh yeah yeah so you know starting out it's like a fun project that seemed you know and then uh it turned into a lot of work it is a lot <laughs> harder than we it was one of those things like "Ah, hey, this will be you know not easy but but it turned into uh Lot in in your work. mind, it's
0: just, you know, oh, I'm going to watch a bunch of films, I'll, you right. know, it's like, oh, in, in your mind, it's like, oh, the hardest part is going to be finding a venue, and then it's easy from right. there, and, like, right. I don't need, I, my, my foray with film festivals is I have worked quite a bit with you guys, uh, right. you guys were always very goodly enough to put me on stage with a microphone, and I have no problem talking, Um, and then I've worked with Ross. He is, he's given me the opportunity to do panel discussions and stuff, which I always really appreciate. But then I did one year of me and a friend of mine who I think did, she did a panel for you guys. Josephine. Yeah. 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 Josephine. Josephine. uh, Who's been on the show a couple of times. Her, our episode where we did audition is fucking incredible for any new listeners. (laughs) Go back and check that out. Um, but we did one festival, uh, online festival and, uh we haven't done year two we we might want to wait until we can do it in person but we did a a it's not specifically horror we kind of described it as genre festival you
1: know right. uh,
0: where anything that's just kind of offbeat and kind of cool we'll take which i believe is kind of a similar philosophy you guys have um, yeah we're
1: kind of moving towards that i mean we used to call ourselves a horror festival i mean even though we did show a lot more than that but we are kind of trying to market it more as just yeah it's a genre festival we'd we, More than just hard.
0: Yeah, and so I we did one year of that, and it was just online, and there was just a lot of work to it. And (laughs) and then also, it's like you don't like you think it's like oh, I can watch a bunch of movies. (laughs) Right. You guys get more submissions than we ever did. But without further ado, it's probably best that we get on to the topic of the film. So this time I have not write, written the description of the film, so we're just going to wing it. But right. this was tonight, today's episode. Uh, we are going to be talking about Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage. And this is a little bit different than what we normally do. Normally in the Shameless Picture Show, the goal is to, uh, for me, and Nick, and any guests, to kind of discuss a film that one of us in this, you know, whoever's on the show hasn't seen. Um, but Steven pre- presented this this film to me with an interesting, uh, uh, w- different way to look at it. Because I'd watched this movie when it first came out, um, and you had told me that you were at the festival and said, hey, I would love an opportunity to come on the show and talk about not only the f- movie, but then your own personal experiences. So today, as I said, we'll be talking about Woodstock 99 Lo- Peace, Love and Rage, which is a 2021 documentary about the... Music Festival Woodstock 99, which I don't know if you would consider this a sequel film, a sequel music festival. But, you know, it, it, it came after Woodstock 94, which was a pretty big hit. And then obviously the original Woodstock from 1969. But what in, what's interesting about this documentary is this is partly about the festival itself but then also about like the the social and political quagmire that the united states was like in 99 and talking about why this film festival is different than the previous ones but then also in a lot of ways how it is exactly the same it's currently on hbo and hbo max how are you guys doing today welcome to woodstock there is a sixth sense that you develop when you spend your life going to venues. Woodstock, baby. I can tell you a hundred feet away what the energy in that venue is gonna be like. It was not your parents' Woodstock. We got off the bus and I was like, something's not right.
1: It was like thousand degrees. I think we should leave it's so hot, yeah. Water was $4 a bottle, which is a ridiculous cost. The porta potties, unusable. You had kids rolling around in what they thought was mud. In an environment where exploiting women, you could get away with it. You could feel something bubbling. In pop culture, there's this dark energy coming from young white males that entertainment is perpetuating. You have a
0: crowd who are excited, inebriated, and you give them a band to help them release that energy. What do you think is going to happen? They had the crowd going insane. People are dehydrated, passing out. There are a lot of stupid humans around here. We walked off stage, and we are like, get out of here. Like, we need to leave right now. There's no rest, there's no breaks, there's no rhythm, there's no come down. It's going to crash. The laws of normal society just don't apply here.
1: Kids were petrified out there. This wasn't Woodstock 69. There is an umbilical cord between the dark sexual, cultural underbelly in the country at that time to where we are now.
0: A lot of that energy just wound up in chat rooms and Reddit boards in 2021.
1: The question quickly became, not how could this have happened, but how could it not?
0: It was, a, it was a music festival I didn't even know about. It. I didn't realize that this, like, uh-huh. I knew there was a Woodstock, a second Woodstock. But I didn't realize right. this one existed, I guess.
1: And the third Woodstock. Yeah, I think they're trying to erase it from memory. <laughs> no one wants to remember this one. um So, yeah, well, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about it is because, like, I don't know how I feel about this documentary. And I was like, I just kind of want to talk about it. and Yeah. Um, I Just, like, you know, like, I think I had mentioned to you is, like, there's a lot of it that Felt like a personal attack on me, and maybe I just took it the wrong way. Yeah, but yeah,
0: yeah, and it's like I felt very conflicted <laughs> about it, and I hadn't attended. But I feel this way about a lot of uh, more current documentaries. We, we're we're in a golden age right now, where for documentaries, where there's more documentaries being made than ever before, and a lot of them have places to be seen. Netflix, love or hate them, really kind of helped put documentaries back on the map and made people. Care about them, but this documentary follows suit with a trend I've been noticing, where documentary and then even a lot of documentary series are extremely bingeable. They they have a hook and they keep you watching and they find they and they, but it's like eating popcorn, where popcorn is really enjoyable and it's it's fun while you have it, but then afterwards you're like, well, I'm not really that satiated. I kind of feel weird. And what did I get out of this? I felt that way with uh, the Tiger King documentary. Right. I felt that way about uh, the Action Park documentary. You know, I felt that way. But, like, a lot of documentaries Where afterwards. I'm like, it's very well made, but it's, you know, it's it's a movie. Like, I probably would have right. never rewatched this had it not been for <laughs> this. And not because it wasn't well made. It's just, why would I go back to it?
1: So Yeah, and I feel like, you know, there's a lot of things they bring up. But, it, yeah, they don't go... Like super, like it's a very superficial movie. Yeah. Like they do- they, they document what happened. It's just like kind of like a chronological thing, and they have some talking heads. And there's some of the talking heads that kind of like, like threw me off. Like like trying to like I don't know. It, it was just kind of Confused. Like it was just weird. Some of the lines they were drawing, like the connections, and I was like, I don't really see that, but. um...
0: Well, oh, give me an example. What what is some so, like, what is something so the that biggest, didn't that
1: didn't quite work for you? The the biggest one uh, for me is at the end. They have uh, some. I don't remember any of their names. Uh, most of them, anyway. They were talking about how Woodstock '99 and the you know the angsty male you know early twenties. Oh yeah, they
0: drove that point home.
1: Right, and how that line goes, and maybe it was just like a quick thing, but. It goes to like current day, you know, um, misogynist on like it online, like Gamers Gate and like some of that stuff, like where like all these like this male hatred just went online and became this huge thing. And I've seen like read articles where they talk about like even like the January 6th has it attacks were like kind of you know stemmed from this. And I'm like, you know, this. I don't like. It's just weird that that they feel like that one incident had like this long lasting effect, or you can draw the line to this other stuff that happened later. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not sure. I see that connection. It seemed totally. like
0: a lot of hyperbole because uh, there, there's right. also there. <laughs> I mean, was, they a... were making a. There were some people that they were. There were times where they were making a lot of really interesting, really great points. Like I thought, I don't remember the the Talking Heads name, but when they were talking right. about the DMX concert. And right. the call and response aspect of having a, a crowd of primarily white people feeling right. very energetic to be able to say <laughs> the N-word. Um, right. Um, but then, like, um, there was times also, like, honestly, I thought it was interesting to hear from people who were there at the documentary, or not doc- documentary, right. at the concert. Um, right. Um, and then um, I think, like, uh, like um I didn't care as much about like when the music journalists, like the people from spin magazine or what they had to say, but like some of the people who are more so like tied into, um, you know, who are approaching it from more of an academic standpoint, people who are like, who social political, like people who can kind of correlate these events into what was going on in a worldwide aspect were really interesting. But then it was like, I found myself like, and this is part of being human is you flip flop between things and, like, um, I like when Moby was first talking and he was talking about when he first got to the festival and he could feel something was off. I understand that. Well, I've never been a musician. I've walked into right. a room and be like, something feels strange, but some of that is probably right. also hindsight where like, right. um, where, where sometimes when Moby was talking and I actually really like Moby, he was like, just really getting on my nerves where he's putting like all this like extra weight on people. And I don't remember right. who said it, but like when they were talking about like the, the, the guy who like the guy who ran this this uh festival, this concert, when he was talking about like how how reckless Fred Durst was being. It's like Right. Did you not know who Fred Durst was? Like do you not know his <laughs> right. music? Like his song like uh break stuff, whatever the fuck the song is called. That was a yeah. huge fucking hit. of course he was gonna right. play that. And like right. like I um like when they were, he's like, "Oh, Fred Durst, I I blame for the reason things got out of hand. Things were getting out of hand before Fred Durst did his shit. Yeah, he probably right. didn't help it, <laughs> right. but he didn't
1: cause this. Or and that's like, and for some reason, Limp Biscuit and Fred Durst get a lot of blame. Even, you know, I know like some of the talking heads are like they 'They're not really, he's not to blame.' But you know, journalists and like they really picked up on that and ran with it when it first happened. They're like, oh yeah, it's Limp biscuits so Well, I'm like. Limp Bizkit played on Saturday. The big riots didn't happen till Sunday, so it's yeah, well, hard. To why are more that. people?
0: Why aren't more people like, like? Granted, they talked about it, but why aren't more people giving the Red Hot Chili pepper shit?
1: Right? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, because they were the closing band, so that was. Yeah. So shit started going down there, I, but
0: this conversation so far is all disjointed, but that's not necessarily a, pro- a problem. But like I. I just, like I said, I just kept watching. I was like, oh, that's a good point. That's interesting. But for me, like, where I thought, like, it it was almost like, I'm trying to go the best way to word this, like, grief porn, where, like, it, it hit me really hard the first time I watched it, but the second time it was actually really bugged me when we were (laughs) Getting the diary entries of that of that fan that that died at the festival like right. the first time when they got to that reveal it kind of hit me because I didn't for whatever reason didn't see it coming But then the right. second time as, as they're using that device. It was actually starting to piss me off. It's like it's like they're They're like using this sad event to like push home their point and like so what I want to ask you is, so you were there Were you there all three yeah. days? Yes, what so the way this documentary spins it is, it was, it was pure anarchy and just fucked from the beginning. What was it like for you?
1: Um, I think they got that part right.
0: Oh, okay. So that <laughs> that was true. Okay.
1: So like, that's what's weird is like some of it is true. I mean, they're it was pretty crazy. Um, like I didn't have that many interactions with the the peace patrol as they were called. Well, it seems like no so, one because like, they weren't around right i mean maybe that was it i i just i it never clicked with me that they were never there but they really weren't it wasn't like you know but you know at least on friday it was just it was kind of chaotic but it was fun like it was just like people just you know doing whatever it wasn't anything no one was really well i don't want to say no one was harming anybody but yeah. like you just didn't see it yeah like you know, walking around like people are just having fun. I mean, I remember like one of the first when we first walked to the one main stage, uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra was playing. Um, Why is it no one walk- blaming
0: the Brian Setzer Orchestra?
1: Because people are like swing dancing on the field, and so I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. You know, kind of just chilling out, watching some people swing dance, and my friends like buying mushrooms from some random dude on the field. I'm like, what the hell is going you on? Like as well. this, like. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy, but it was like, you know, it's kind of what I, that's what you expect, you know, that's kind of what they build it at, you know, yeah, you learn about Woodstock and, you you know, just, you know, peace, love, happiness, girls walking around naked, you know, that's, that's why you go there, right, that's, that was the appeal of going to Woodstock, so that is kind, you know, that's how it was, and, you know, it just, got more out of hand as it went on. So was there a
0: point for you at at any point where it went from like, okay, this is chaos, but not like, you know, rioting chaos, but like, this is just like, you know, where it went from, this is fun chaos, or, you know, people having fun. Was there a point for you when you realized, okay, maybe this isn't good?
1: Um, I guess maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Probably not till Sunday, you know, when you know things just started you know you could start getting out of hand like like when a car showed up on the field like in the like the concert stage on the field and a car they lit it on fire i'm like where did they get that car from like whose car is that how did one of the
0: talking heads (laughs) talked about like a bentley being lit on fire i'm like wait why was there a bentley there
1: (laughs) yeah no i have no idea where this car came from how it got in the middle of like because it was like in the middle of like the concert field i mean they talk about it in the movie, like that was a huge feel, like how big that it was. It looked huge. Yeah, so like there was a car there on fire, and I'm like, how the hell did that happened? You know, it's <laughs> like where did this come from? It's like I don't know. So that's when, and actually the friend, the people I was with, they're like, yeah, we gotta get out of here. So that's kind of when, you know, because I, I like to just, I was just gonna stay and watch the chaos, but <laughs> they're like, no, we need to leave. So we left i don't know if we finished a chili peppers set or not but we started getting the hell out of there shortly after or like around that time so when, when the fire started getting lit we were on our way out so so like we missed some of the riots
0: <laughs> so like it, it definitely seemed like so like i guess w- I, what bothered me about this documentary is usually what bothers me about a lot of documentaries is they're they usually are leaning towards one side because that's the point they're trying to make i understand that but i also think there's a way that you can make your point while also showing different perspectives behind things Um and actually i think some of like the the concert goers were were pretty interesting because a lot of them were like you know i got swept up in this i this is not something i normally would have done but i got swept up in it um right but like it's interesting to hear your perspective because like i said you you listened to that documentary and it was just Mm. like you know, from the day they stepped on the field, they knew something bad was going to happen. It almost felt like right. I was waiting for, like, the, um, the behind-the-music narrator to, like, <laughs> pop up. Like, what was, like, what was your, like, you so said only three days, but, like, what was your day-to-day interactions? Like, were you camping there? Did you find, like, the lack of water, um uh, like or like food and situations like what was it like for you like like, because obviously you went there
1: to see music and right so um yeah we we camped there so we had a tent set up somewhere and this was over 20 years ago and i can't remember like exact details but yeah we were there i remember they had showers but they looked like they mentioned in the documentary it wasn't something that you would want to really spend a lot of time in there um but the water situation is probably the biggest thing, um, that I remember all three days. You're like, why is water so expensive? Why is, and I think that's like really probably... four
0: dollars now is a lot for water. Four right, dollars exactly. ninety eight is even more.
1: So, and that's what it was. It was like, and and that's like a lot of the, the animosity. You could I guess you could start feeling that a little bit early because it was a lot of like, you know, even on day two like. It's not, it didn't feel like a festival where they were catering to people that wanted to see musicians. It eventually just felt like they wanted to make money. And this is how they're going to do it. They're going to trap you in this Air Force base. You, you know, can't really get out. You have to buy all their crap. You can't, you know, and it's just like, wow, this is, you know, it, that's what it felt like. And you, and that just built up the whole weekend. It was just like. Yeah, why am I paying this much money for real water when it's insanely like, hot? tickets
0: were, like, what? They think it so should take, like, 180 bucks?
1: I was thinking 150. It might have been 180. Like it's,
0: I think it's crazy that, like, in the next couple months, Riot Fest in, in Chicago is coming up. And, right. like, they have, like, big names. But not, you know, not, not saying these acts are bigger than ones from Woodstock or whatever. Right. But, like, you know, they have, like, My Chemical Romance is going there they haven't played in like eight fucking years they have the original lineup for the misfits they have all these big names and tickets are only like it's still a lot but it's like they're it's a (laughs) hundred dollars in comparison it's like i feel like it should be the other way around like you know i I, i've seen like concert tickets from like kiss in the 70s and it was like fifteen dollars i'm like
1: (laughs) yeah so but i mean yeah i guess at the time it was like Yeah, I was in college. I was, you know, working. And so, I don't know. It was just like, I had the money. I had the time because I was off this, you know, like, I took some summer classes, but they were over by then. So I'm like, it was just all the things worked out perfectly. And I'm like, I can go. And I, I was, I wanted to go to 94 because I was like a freshman in high school or whatever when that um, came out. Oh no, 94, I was like a, almost a senior in high school. But so it was like. I really missed out. Like, I really wanted to go 94. So much things happened in 94. Like, Green Day got their big push in 94. Oh, yeah. You know? that,
0: was, that was huge for Green Day.
1: Right. So, I'm like, oh, I want to. You know, I wanted to go and I didn't. So, I'm like, oh, 99 came around. Like, I can go. Like, this is like, couldn't go then, but I can go now. And, you know, so I'm like, you know, I'm going. And I actually bought my ticket before anyone else I knew. I'm like, I'm not sure how I'm going to get there, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> I was like, I just, I was that excited for it. It was just, you know, an adventure. You know, it was going to be fun. I
0: I guess it's hard to say because there's this big stigma behind the the festival and all the stuff that preceded it. But, like, I know this is going to be kind of a hard question to answer because it's even one for me to word. Do you feel like it was worth it? Like, you know, like if the riots wouldn't have happened, things wouldn't have gotten as crazy. Was the music worth it? Was the music good? Did you feel like you got your money's worth out of it? Did you have a good time up until you didn't?
1: <laughs> I think it was. Oh, I mean, I'm glad I went, I guess, is what it comes down to, even after all the chaos. um, It was like a you know, once in a lifetime thing. It, you know, like I had the opportunity. I, um,. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I went. Like um I think I mean what, you know. I think it was I think it was worth it even with all the chaos. Cuz it's an experience and I it was an adventure and that's kind of what I wanted, you know. So
0: So we were talking at the beginning, you know, about you were unsure about how you felt about the film and I and I definitely right. felt that too. Um but I'm sure it's different cuz you were there. You were you know, i it, it, not just this. This is a very ham-fisted like comparison, but I'm sure it'd be somewhat similar to if anyone was like at any big historical event in history, you know, whether it be like right. the Vietnam war or, you know, the Martin Luther King's marches or anything. And then we to look back and watch a documentary about it. <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's almost surreal. Like this thing that I went to is being right. talked about. And, and I'm sure you're probably learning stuff you didn't know about, about it. Today. Right. A
1: lot of the behind the scenes stuff and how like the, like the organizers come off of, as villains oh, in this they, movie and, and probably rightfully so. Of all the things, I don't know. That...
0: I, I kind of really. I didn't. I didn't like them from the beginning, but I really turned on that one dude where he's like, "Well, they shouldn't be walking around naked." I'm like,
1: right? Yeah. It's...
0: Isn't that like <laughs> yeah, Wasn't that your big highlight from like fucking the original Woodstock was that people walk around right. naked? Fuck you, dude.
1: Right. I mean, and that's you know, honestly, I was you know early twenty-something dude. I wanted to go see naked girls walk around. I mean, I'm not. You know, <laughs> to be honest, that's what I one of the appeals of going there. Yeah. You know? So like, so,
0: if you had to start thinking about like, what weren't you responding to in the documentary? Cause it's, you know, it, it, and like I said, this show is going to be different. Cause it's going to be me asking you a lot of questions because, that's, because there's not like, there's not a whole lot to analyze in this documentary. Right.
1: And I kind of, maybe that's part of the problem. It's like, I wish they had more sociology people or sociologists to like, and kind of analyzing like, what is, and more like, what is it about, that age, like early twenty-something male white males, that did like that's I guess that's what I wanted to know. Like even leaving when we were leaving during the riots, we we're like, what is going on? Like, what are we raging against? What are we angry about? Like, what is yeah. like and like and cause it, they don't answer that and they just say they're angry white males for no reason and that's what they do. This is just the. You know, they're misogynist and they burn things down and that's all they are. Yeah. And I'm like, so, you know, that, that can't be true. They're, they're I'm like,
0: trying to I feel like they were trying to say, like, you know, something was bubbling from the surface, but they didn't. Right. And but the, and then they would like very ham fistedly bring in like, you know, so when they're talking about Metallica, they brought up the Napster thing. It's was like, what does this have to do with anything <laughs> other than like <laughs> right. the fact that like Pirate Bay and Napster were huge in the 90s? Right. And you can have Dave Mustaine kind of you know give some shade to Metallica, which was great. Um, like, <laughs> what does this have to do with with any of this? Like, I guess right. there's the correlation that it's music and it's music related, right. and um
1: and I guess that's true too because they even bring up like in the very beginning they show clips from like American Pie and um, Fight Club, which all came out in 1999. Um, Fight Club came after. Um, woodstock so that it's kind of weird to uh, they can't blame it on but it's obviously a feeling that was in the air when you have something like woodstock and something like fight club kind of talking about the same thing so it was obviously something in the zeitgeist at that time like but what was it but they don't really go there and they just like it's just Yeah, it, these it almost f- angry white guys that are mad at the world and it almost and feels and like... And they still are. It, it almost, and that's what they... It's like... Do you remember in school
0: when you'd have to like... Remember teachers always be like, when you're writing an essay, you have to have a really good like be, entry paragraph that also states your thesis statement. And I can't speak right. for you. But half the time, I didn't know what my thesis was. So I'd write the rest of the paper first and then figure <laughs> then out what it was after the word. And that's what this feels like. I feel... It feels like they kind of had an idea of what they want. Like they are they were charting the progress of this. And like, oh, we're noticing trends but didn't really know what they wanted to say about
1: it. Right. And again, like, other than
0: Moby giving is shaming everyone.
1: Like, yeah, well, that was funny too. He's like, I've never heard of these bands. I'm like, even I had heard of those. i like, I wasn't big in the indie music. He, like, he, you he know. was
0: so <laughs> upset that he wasn't on that board.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. That's And that's the other weird thing. They're like, you know, who would want to go see, you know, Limp Bizkit and Moby. I'm like, i did yeah i like moby i had moby's record i had one of the people from like like,
0: spin (laughs) magazine i think might have said something said something very similar to that be like you know who was booking this festival no one who's there to see jewel would want to see metallica and they're like do you have a very narrow taste in music like (laughs) you know like I, i was just the other day i was you know spinning hardcore punk and then i went to like 1970s country like you can like different things yeah it's like jewel seemed like a weird choice but it's not like (laughs) you know right i don't know like yeah variety is the point why wasn't anyone being like i don't know the people who came to see megadeth probably don't want to see james brown like
1: probably not (laughs) but you know that's the option that was what was great it's like there were two stages you go whichever one you wanted you know and you know yeah so that was though it was was weird yeah i'm like no i did i don't i like jewel i like limp biscuit i like moby i'm like i'm all for all you know like all of them are good well limp biscuit it's hard to understand how big limp biscuit really was in 99 it's crazy but... to think
0: how big limp biscuit because like, like i was you know not to make you feel older either age myself. I was nine right. years old at the time. <laughs> um, but my brother, he was huge into Limp Biscuit. I remember like when uh, chocolate covered starfish came out, like right. and I remember like like my mom was like pissed off. because you know, she's like, Limp biscuit, that's a that's a euphemism for something and you know, <laughs> and then like it. His, the music's very aggressive and shit and right. and but like it's, like, it's also crazy, like, Limp w- Bizkit's getting so much hate in this documentary. It's like, why isn't anyone who's making this documentary, you know, hating on on Kid Rock and drawing the paraly- right. parallels to the fucking piece of shit he's become, like...
1: Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, it's all Limp Bizkit's fault. But, it, you know, and that's the other thing, too, is, like, we're... Just because that concert, like, that uh, event captures what it was like in 1999 to be young male, you know, that angst that is probably happens to every early 20 something guy or person really like to kind of say like, Oh, this is like this generation of guys were just really angry for no reason. I'm like, I don't know. Does that happen? to Like every generation has their thing where there's angst. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's a teenage
0: generation is pissed off. Like I feel like the only difference is like, you know, not I'm not trying to like shame this generation or anything, but it's like as the right. generations go on, we learn from the previous generations the things that, you know, my generation is angry was angry about in our 20s was probably different than the stuff your generation was angry about. Right. It's 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 like I just I remember. Um, On one of Henry Rollins' stand-up tours or whatever, like, he had a whole bit about, like, you know, the person he was in Black Flag is not the person that he is now. He's like, when I was in Black Flag, I was young, I was angry at the world. When I was 18, I wanted to fuck on the floor and break shit. When I was
1: 25, I wanted to fuck on the floor and break shit. When I was 35, I wanted to fuck on the floor and break shit. Now I'm 40, I want to fuck on the floor and break shit. I mean, what the fuck?
0: rock bands so nice now aren't, aren't there people around who just like want to put on a record and like wreck everything in sight Fuck! Right. <laughs> like that's so, all I cared about that was my tunnel vision and it's right. I just I I feel like like I said, this documentary is blaming a lot, and I'm sure there's there's definitely something in the zeitgeist in the late '90s that this documentary failed to touch on that was right. causing a lot of this anger and causing right. a lot of issues. And, and I'm not gonna lie, you know, like it has been proven through generations that in a lot of cases, a lot of men are shitty. You know, <laughs> right? Like, you know, and- it's you know the fact the fact that there's still sexual assault happening it wasn't right. unique to woodstock 99 it happened before and it's still happening and that's a fucking problem that no one's talking about it's not because Limp biscuit played a song that people were being assaulted and i think that it, it it reminds me of like when i learned about columbine in school and everyone was blaming Marilyn manson for what happened it's
1: right. it, i don't know right and, you know, and like I said, like, that was actually a conversation we had leaving. Like, we were stuck in traffic. I love the we're idea that like, you guys going- stuck
0: in traffic, you know, like, probably, like, bloody, <laughs> and, bloody and dirty
1: and, like, philosophical, <laughs> like,
0: being all <laughs> philosophical about, like, you know, what, is, what caused what this on? anger? Was it Limp Biscuit or, you know, was it the Dave Matthews bed or was it, you know, something in the air? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I mean, the only thing, like I said, a lot of it came down to just the commercialization of it. And, you know, they, someone brings up a point and maybe it was actually Jewel in the documentary. Like we really, I mean, you know, we were pretty privileged, you know, living in the nineties. We didn't have much that we were fighting for, you know, everything, you know, it was, there was no major, I mean, it was like the war in the beginning of the nineties, but there wasn't no major wars, no major, you know, anything. It was just, so like, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like, why are guys angry? But I mean, I think that's just what happens. I think it's like, just
0: you have you you have all these emotions inside of you, and you don't know how right, to get rid right. of them.
1: You right. Don't know how to and verbalize get, right. And I think a lot of it is like, well, everyone's going to rebel against the society that they're in. It's not anything unique to you know ninety nine. It's just that's what happens when you hit your twenties. Like you don't want to live in a society. Like you just rebel, and that's kind of. What that was kind of like it, you know, it just happened on a big scale in like a weird place. But you know, like a lot of it just felt like they didn't care about us. It was all them trying to make money. So it was more like the commercialism and the capitalism of of it, where it's like, you know, they lost money in like '69 because people broke down the fences, and '94 you know they lost money because the same thing. Like so now they're gonna. Build it on this giant fort, you know, in the, in the like this Air Force base. Where people can't come in and just be really strict and make you buy their food and their water, and you know. So it's just like it just felt like, oh, this is not what we thought it was going to be. This is just a way for them to make money, which it, I mean, it, in hindsight, we should have realized that because it, it is. is but, but I think it's also,
0: it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that like <clears throat> when you're in that age, you finally start seeing how the world works. And then I just feel like it was one of the situations you guys were hot, you guys were sweaty, you were hungry, you were thirsty, and then it's just like, you know, in the back of your mind, you always knew like, they're charging us tickets, of course they're here to make a profit, but then, like, when you're already upset about all these other other things, it finally, like, dawns on you be like, yeah, this is
1: shitty. (laughs) Right. And that's kind of, I think... That's, that's where, at least for, like, Woodstock, I mean, not to speak for, like, the entire generation or, like, the, you know, Gen X, but at Woodstock, it, that's, it just built up. Like Yeah. They and the documentary did kind
0: of touch on that.
1: Right. And, and that's what's weird. Maybe that's what it is about documentaries. They touch on these things, and they're like, yeah, that's right, but then they just move on to something else. I'm like, well, that's not right. So it's like, it's just weird because they do a good job at, like, showing, like, what really happened, but... Maybe it's just like some of the takeaways from that is not what I would think they it should be. It's like that's not the takeaway I got from being there. I think maybe that's where so the the disconnect you is. You watch
0: a lot of films, uh, and yes. you know you you're involved in the film world quite a bit because of your, because of this um, because of your film festival. I'm going to ask you a filmmaker question. If you had to make a documentary about Woodstock, what would how, what would you focus on? Especially having been there.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I don't know. Like, it's hard because, like,
0: because like
1: cause, one yeah, one I mean, questions
0: I, like why it was worth a documentary. Not to say you know the things that happened there weren't terrible, and you know the fact that people did die. But right. like, one questions it's like, okay, there's a lot of situations where bad things happen. Why did we make a documentary about this? Yeah. Why was and I guess this that's.
1: And I guess that's what I would like. If I was going to make a documentary about it, I would want to go more into like, like how it was planned, like, like, the like the two guys that you know end up being villains. I think I don't know if there's any way you can make a documentary with them not being villains. No, but. no, there, there's, <laughs> and the only but, I
0: mean, the only reason want... <laughs> the one guy was more of a villain than the guy from the original Woodstock is because the guy from the wood, original Woodstock was barely in this documentary.
1: <laughs> that, that is true, and he just again just seemed high on whatever and just didn't oblivious to what the hell was going on but again that you know kind of lures you in and like oh you know and that's kind of like you know what we expected like something kind of just fun not you know, like just go out there and peace love you know instead of you know like oh this is super commercialized and branding and and that's part of like mtv they talk about like oh people hate mtv it's just like no and yes I mean there was part of that and you know but I watched TRL I w- was into that I was into the I would watch the boy bands I wasn't like huge into them but like but what happened is it felt like MTV was there just to promote MTV again it was all this commercialism stuff it's like they're not they're they, you know and that's I think more of where the rebellion came from not from oh we hate MTV because they st- showing stuff that our sister likes or now, what, like Dave Holmes I think said something stupid like that, but it's like, no, it's just like this is commercialized. You're using us to sell stuff. Like, that's, I think that's kind of where like the, like it just, like, oh. You know, like that slowly realization, like, oh. They're not here to ha- like, we're not, they're not here for us to have a good time. They're just trying to sell stuff. And MTV was the same way. It was just a big commercial thing for them and you know and that's why I think people yeah you know kind of like got mad at them. well then so but, it's
0: it's funny too like the the promoter the I'm just gonna say like the one guy like the the bald guy <laughs> the guy who was involved with ninety four and ninety nine not the original guy um I, I just remember. I just I found it really funny, and it makes sense. Like when you're in his position, he's he's finding everyone to blame. He's like, "Oh, MTV's to blame. The reason this got so bad." And oh yeah, you know,
1: as I did, like MTV made it look like a war zone. I'm like, oh, MTV stretched that stretched that too much." Yeah, like, and from know. what
0: even what you said, you know, you had you <laughs> didn't have as as bad of a time as some of the other people did, and you're not also diminishing right. other people's experiences there. You know, you're right. not saying, like, oh, well, that's stupid. That's not wasn't my experience. You're saying your experience was, wasn't too bad, all that's considered. Right. But even you, who had, like, an you know, your experience wasn't too bad. You're like, yeah, well, the way they presented it was pretty accurate.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, and this is going to sound insane, but, you know, like, I wanted to get up in the front of the stage. So, for, like, Alanis Morissette, I got, like, way up in the front part. And there was, like, a mosh pit going on. So, I always tell people, like, yeah, I was at the mosh pit for the Alanis Morissette concert. But... Yeah, you know, and that was crazy, right? Because that's Lana and that So I'm like, because I think after her was Limp Biscuit, and I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of here. Like, it's it's <laughs> like
0: it's funny, like that that uh, the fact that you mentioned that, and there's so much truth to that. So like, I've not been to I've only music festivals I've been to a Summerfest, but right. you all like. There's Moshin will happen at any concert because there's always right. a small, sometimes large group of people that have no idea what moshin's all about and just <laughs> want to create anarchy. I was even at right. like, a punk show recently. Um, I went to go see Oakley the fucking Simpsons metal band. And of course, there's they're, they're playing hardcore music. Of course, there's going to be moshin. But there was this dude just who wasn't there to mosh for fun. He was just... He was just jumping through the crowd, elbowing people in the back of the head, and just being a fucking fool. And right. I was like, the people who they were there to mosh and have a good time, they were doing their things and they kind of kept, you know, sometimes you get pushed a little bit. They try to keep it contained. This dude is just fucking all over the place. And I've you know, I've seen mosh pits break out of fucking Weird owl. So like, <laughs> then you said there was a mosh pit at Alanis said, I'm like, yeah, that checks out. Not because it's moshing music, but because someone's just like, oh, I'm just going to do this because it's funny. Ha ha ha. And then it just gets <laughs> out right. of control.
1: But yeah, so I mean, I just remember being up there, and it was gross, just because I mean it's a mosh pit and people around you. It's like it's hard to think about now in the age of COVID how insane <laughs> that is. Because like I got out of there, like my shirt was soaking wet, not only because it was hot, but like other people sweat, and like so it was one of the grossest thing. I mean, again, it was just it was wild, it, but it's, it's all- it was like. <laughs> I was like, this is gross. <laughs> I got to get the hell out of it's- here before some other band comes on and things get really crazy.
0: And I feel like one thing, they, they touched on it very briefly, but they were driving home like angry white males. Right. And right. I'm also not going to say, like, I'm not here being like, why are you making fun of the white guys? Because like they're, some of the stuff they're saying, isn't is, there's truth behind it. You know, they were angry and the, right. the, the, uh, the just youth in general were angry. And of course, it's almost like 90 percent white people. So, yes. Right.
1: It, I know. It's like I, mean, I can't argue. Yeah, like, they they it were whereas, angry like, white
0: young males. But I think the <laughs> one of the things they're not really touching on is also like it's the young part is there's It's a lot of immaturity. Right. It's things that seem like a good idea. Because you're, you know, it's either funny or whatever, and then you mix in alcohol, it's just right.
1: immaturity mixed of stupidity. Right, and you know, like I, they talk about it, but the heat, really, what, like, like yeah. if you stand out any heat that long, you, like it's just I get does irritable something. if I'm
0: out in the sun, and it's not that hot.
1: Right. So, and I, like that's like it, everything's kind of hazy for it. like not because I was drinking or doing drugs. It's just like I was just so incredibly high, like. It was, Like things just turned to a blur. And the other thing that they don't mention with the heat is that it's on an Air Force base, right? They cleared that out. Like there's no trees. There's nothing. Like every other thing was like in the woods or like where you had something, but this is an Air Force base. It's a hot paved tarmac, you know, for airplanes. There is one airplane hangar that they had set up where the rave was, but, you know, that was it. There's like no trees, nothing. You can't escape it. Like you can go to your tent, but your tent's just like hot as hell. I mean, at least you're not in the sun, but it's just like where do you go to get out of the heat? And you know, so I, you know, I went into like they actually had movies showing 24 hours, like in the in the hangar. Like they had like you know, raves going on at night during the day. They would show like like reefer madness. I think I saw like part of it there. And then, like I'm just gonna sit here and watch, like just sit on the floor in this in this hangar and just try to cool off but you know again like those are decisions i made other people made not so great decisions but you know it's like the the, i mean there really wasn't that many options like what are you gonna do yeah and i feel like i remember and this is what's weird because they don't talk about this at all Is like there were buses that took us into town i remember going into town and like just walking into like shops and stuff just you know yeah, using their air conditioning that
0: they just made it sound like you were stuck
1: yeah and you for the most part you were but like i remember going into like a town i remember my friend trying to use like every time any shop or something try to use their bathroom they're like hey can we go <laughs> in use your bathroom blame you i know it's like um yeah so it is just great like i really feel like the heat was a big factor too and again you can't get water. Like, why is water so expensive when people are, like, passing out from dehydration? Yeah. Like, that's insane. Like, what is... Like, that's not smart. Like, that's just poor planning. Yeah. And, like, they should have just made that free. They should just give out free water. Yeah.
0: I agree. Like, it's, like, the amount of money they're still making, I'm sure, like... Right. I'm sure hang out some free water. Or even just a dollar. Dollar water. It's, like, <laughs> fuck, man. Right. Um, so... If there's still topics that you want to talk about, I'm down. I, I think I'm running out of questions for you, but I do want to ask, and I feel like I asked you this over messenger, but I'd love to hear you expand upon it. <laughs> Best concert experience there, or favorites.
1: Uh, favorite? Favorite? Offspring. Um, I don't know what it was about that concert. Um, I just had such a great time. Like they just came out and put on a great performance. Um, I yeah. So Offspring is one of my favorites.
0: strapping on the
1: Uh, metallica is a hell of a performance um was it good even if you had,
0: couldn't get close like were there screens or stuff or was the music just yeah good there enough was screens, that even if you couldn't see like, them it was still good yeah
1: so <laughs> the issue i had with metallica is they went on late it was like 11 o'clock at night and i've been out in the sun all day i was hot as hell like i was so tired and i just kept thinking when are they gonna end I'm like they just kept playing encore after encore and i'm like dude i gotta go to bed i
0: was like i can't stay I the only good thing so, about it being so hot and being so tired you probably <laughs> fell asleep pretty fast
1: yeah so i was like dude i'm like i'm you know i feel bad leaving during a metallica concert but I'm like this is late i gotta go <laughs> so i mean but they were great i mean they were a fun live band but um it was just late and i was tired i don't like this worst musical um, <laughs> experience you saw I don't know. Well, I think I told you like Dave Matthews was one of my favorite bands, and I had seen him in concert previously, and they were really good. Um, yeah, it was, it was just it wasn't good. Like he, I don't know what it was, but yeah, like that was that was probably the most disappointing one was Dave Matthews. What? He just seemed high <laughs> and like mumbling. Mumbling more than usual. Yeah, it's like kind of his thing. <laughs> it is kind of, it was just even worse. I'm like, what is going on?
0: <laughs> was there a musical act that you either weren't very familiar with or maybe didn't like, but you, you liked more after seeing them or maybe someone that, probably, Oh, I never heard of this band, but fuck, they put on a good show.
1: Um, I can't say that. Cause I probably didn't go to as many, like the smaller bands as I should have. Like I just stuck mostly to the main stage with the big bands. Um, so, nothing stands out as, like, something that, like, super surprised me or um, that was, super, you know, like, oh, wow, this, like, you know, they did a great job, so. The Limp biscuit concert it was fairly insane, as they mentioned. Um, I remember just, like, people were throwing water bottles and shoes. I'm like, who else throwing these shoes? Yeah. Like, I, I got hit in that. the head. I <laughs> got hit in the head with a shoe. I'm like, what the hell? A free um, shoe. So, it, <laughs> it was, so it was kind of crazy, just like things flying through the air. Because, um, you know, all the other wood socks had mud, but we had no mud because it was so hot. So they just yeah. shoes and water bottles. And sometimes there were full water bottles. And you're like, why waste of
0: four bucks.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like, what are you doing? So um, I don't know. It was just, it was wild. I mean, that's really the best way to explain it. It's just like, yeah, I know one of my friends saw it before, documentary before I did, and they're like, I'm surprised you survived and then i watched it i'm like i'm surprised i survived too i'm like <laughs> surprised everyone but uh
0: yeah I kind of surprised the death toll wasn't higher
1: right um but yeah i mean that's something that obviously they should have been more prepared for especially with the heat um, the, obviously a lot of people are getting you know heat stroke and um, you know stuff like that so they sh- I mean, they should have been more pre- i mean obviously the preparedness was not there and you know the idea of doing it on a big empty air force base with no shade um should have caused people a little bit you know like hey maybe this isn't the best idea or but there were like some trees off in the back i'm like yeah no one's like so far away like that's crazy but so did
0: you you end up getting wrapped up in any of like did you break anything
1: no i didn't break anything i might have thrown some water bottles (laughs) (laughs) but no i didn't get uh, like yeah like i said we'd left before most of that uh that rioting happened it was a little bit cool. like I said. They did break stuff during the Limp Bizkit. They pulled down the the boards and stuff, and we're like crowd surfing on the boards. But um, I was really far back for that. I'm like I'm I'm just taking the being far away as possible. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I didn't do any. I didn't really break anything. It was,
0: so before before we wrap up, do you have any more? Do you have any other thoughts or comments, opinions about the documentary? Because like I said, for people listening. This wasn't really going to be like one, me, me and Nick's normal deep dive. It's just, it's kind of right. one of those things that's, it's, I feel like for us to do a deep dive on this, I, I would have to do my own independent research and just like what the world is like, which, you know, it's, right. um, but, um, like I guess we both kind of feel kind of at arm's length about it. And I think we both kind of feel that like they touched on a lot, but didn't really deep dive into anything. And it's felt right. very one-sided and not to right. say that there's necessarily much else on the other side of it, right? But I, and I, I, I like hearing those perspectives,
1: right? And I, I, I'm more interested in like, you know, while like, yeah, why it had like, I'm more interested in the sociology of it, like, what was going on, like, why was this something? Because they're like, oh, you could have predicted it. I'm like, I don't know if you could have predicted it, like, but I mean, there was obviously something in the air in ninety, in the late nineties, like. But I would have wanted to hear more about that. Yeah, like, like why like, could you what was preg- going on?
0: why could you have predicted it? Because Yeah, like like Because
1: Limp Biscuits angry music? Like that's why you would have like like that that's their reasoning in yeah, the movie. Yeah,
0: like uh well they th- think about it, like then you should have been able to predict then violence should have happened <laughs> at Woodstock ninety four. Green Day was a right. fucking angry band too. Right,
1: exactly, you know. And people threw um, shit at
0: them and they threw it back, like
1: Right, right. Um So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess one of the things I was curious about, I was going to ask you, is when you think about, like, the late 90s, because, like I said, you are younger than me, like, what is your impression of that era? Like, what do you you think they're just all, like, I don't know. Like, I was just kind of curious on a younger generation when they look back at something like that, like. Like, what is your perspective on that?
0: Well, like I guess it is kind of hard because I was nine years old. So, if I think of the late '90s, I'm thinking of Power Rangers. But,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but now that you're all, but now that you look back, you're like, um, like you like, man, look at all those misogynistic uh, older guys. Like, just for me, it's like, it's, it's
0: hard to view it that way because I'm like, man, there's still a lot of fucking misogynistic dudes.
1: So, right. Well, and that's and the like, other thing it, that you said. Like, it all stems from that. I'm like, like that's kind of the line they draw in the documentary. Be like, yeah, they were angry then. They're still angry now. And I'm like, well. Most of us have grown up. They're in their forties now. I'm like, <laughs> like I just, I, I,
0: I feel like, I I feel like if the, if ninety nine was like the start of like of how things got progressively more angry, it's it's less to do with Woodstock ninety nine and more the fact that it's the dawn of the internet, and right? It's the dawn of anonymity because there's so many more you know quote unquote angry white dudes now. Because right. they have the, the they they think it's being a, they they think they're anonymous being on the internet, and right. I feel like that's something they could have touched on. Because like let's be real, there was misogynistic angry fucking dudes in the eighties. There was in the seventies,
1: right? You know, it's it's just more documented now because people are like, you know, video like especially now. Like I don't even know how like this generation does, you know, because everything is on a cell phone. Like, it's also funny you that, can't do that. They're anything. that they're
0: saying it's like oh well you know like. This is when, like, the angry white dudes got at their – were at their worst. I'm like, well, I don't know. I think the people who started the KKK might argue with that. They, they were right. even more angry and even more white. But,
1: right. you know, whatever. I don't know. And then I guess the other question is, like, did I misinterpret that or did you get the same? Like, they kind of said that that angry white dudes started there. Or like, they kind of put in that as, like, the beginning or – and maybe yeah, I just, yeah, like, and, and, like I said, I felt like maybe I was internalizing things that I shouldn't be, but... And like, like I,
0: I took it kind of, I, I definitely got that, uh, but I also kind of got it that, like, like I said, they were trying to say, like, you know, th- w- this type of anger and this type of, like, angst was different than it was before, and it very well might have, could have been. It very well could have right. been, but they didn't really tell me why they, right. they got and, to that point.
1: And I'm sure it is there. I'm sure every generation has their own form of angst. Like, no one... Every generation is not going to be, like, the same, you know, hippie, you know, angst. Like, every generation has their own issues. Like, and that's what I'm more Like, why? What is it? What was it about that time that, like, kind of, like, culminated together? And, like, oh, it was the end of the century and Y2K. I'm like, uh, that really wasn't on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> when I was at Woodstock Night, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, the world's going to end. I better just rip shit up now, you know? <laughs> that's, that's not yeah I, that, that doesn't i mean some of
0: that might have been subconscious but i feel like a exactly lot of the like anger me. came from within within right. the walls of that festival like you're hot you're angry right. you're, you're you're angry right. because you're hot you're thirsty you're <laughs> hungry you don't right. feel taken care of you spent a lot of money and you got very little out of it yeah you get to see some really cool bands right but was that worth the money necessarily like i think that was it like people are sitting there like why am I spending so much money for this? Why am I right. spending so much money to be unhappy? Right. Like, yeah, you have that bliss of seeing music, but as soon as the music stops, then you have to deal with, well, fuck, now I'm angry again. Now I'm miserable
1: again. <laughs> right. And that's actually, you know, what was great about, I mean, honestly, maybe things would have been worse if Limp Bizkit didn't play, because you got a lot of that anger out in the music. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, well, like, that's what I loved about Limp Bizkit is like, like it let me express that anger like, like yeah
0: i think it's i don't remember his name sure, but <laughs> jonathan davis from um um corn i think that's his corn well like, yeah that's kind of what he was saying it's like he's like i knew people were angry they were hot so i was going to go out there and just give them some give them a way to get that energy out right honestly he was like so. one of my favorite interviews su- like out of the musicians he was one of my favorite interview subjects because he just he seemed like i don't know he, he kind of seemed put
1: together. Like he kind of knew like he kind of like he it, yeah and it, and its it, it kind he, of weird because like he came up like corn and limp Bizkit kind of came out where they kind of hit big at the same time at least mm-hmm. it, I feel like corn came out earlier but they both kind of hit big at the same time in the 90s like um but you know like so he was part of that too like he was friends with Fred Durst he knew you know, like they did video collaborations together so it's like So, yeah, he had, like, this really unique perspective. And I guess yeah, yeah, probably could have had a little bit more of his perspective.
0: Yeah, because his perspective was unique because it's, like, here he was. It's, like, yeah, I could feel the energy was off and something seemed weird. And I'm going to go out there and see what I can do to try to help alleviate. Where then you had people like Moby, like, the energy was off. And I'm, like, (laughs) I'm going to do my set and I'm going to fucking leave. And I hate all of this. And, like, when did you become so, like, bitter, Moby? It was because your name wasn't on the board.
1: (laughs) (laughs) His name wasn't. I'm sure there's lots of band names that weren't on there, but <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I felt like maybe I internalized things I shouldn't have because nev- like I've never seen a documentary that was really about me. Like, like, <laughs> like that was me. I was like 21. I was almost 22. College student, white dude at this Woodstock. I'm like every time they mention that, I'm like, that's me. I'm like. They're talking about me. I'm like, like like, I.
0: And I guess that that that'd be another perspective I'd want to see because they definitely talk like, you, you were an angry white guy, because anyone who's in their twenties is angry about something. You may not realize it, but we're they're all angry,
1: right? And it's always about society, like deciding, expects this from you. You
0: were that person, but you weren't the person that they were presenting. Right, and they made it seem like everyone there was that person,
1: right. And that, and like that everyone just grew up to be still angry white guy. I guess they didn't like, they said it like it moved on and like, I get it. This, but yeah, it's like, maybe that's where I took it personally. Like, like I'm,
0: you're a pharmacist. God damn it.
1: I'm a pharmacist. I'm, I'm 40 years old. I'm not angry that much anymore. I'm just tired a lot, but you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. So that, that
0: should know. be the postscript. I'm not angry. I'm just tired. <laughs>
1: really what it comes down to it's like I just don't no, have time for this ultimately like,
0: it's, it's a movie i'm glad i watched and it's um i'm also a sucker for music documentaries while it, it's kind right. of a music document it's it rides that line um i uh i'm glad i watched it like i said i probably wouldn't have rewatched it if it wasn't for this episode and i highly recommend everyone else go see it just because it's you know, it's something that I knew nothing about. I didn't even know what's like. I thought I honestly thought like <laughs> I like I knew there was a second Woodstock, and I thought this was that. I was like, wait, they make a documentary about when Green Day was throwing mud at people. Like I just assumed <laughs> that was this time, and uh, right. it's one I, I I see people check out, but it's it's. I'm struggling to know what they're trying to say. Right. Like definitely not. Yeah, it's not a guess- it's not a poorly made documentary. I just. I I. I I don't know. I don't want I don't want to say it's not well thought out because that makes that seems very pretentious and like oh, you you want to go do better? I just <laughs> I, I feel like they had a lot of ground to cover and right. maybe it could have benefited from being a a documentary like a four-part documentary series like like we have to talk about Co- Bill Cosby was cuz they had a lot right. of time to kind of present all these different aspects and things and maybe more time to breathe would have given hell, do a three-part three series, give, uh, yeah. uh, you know, three parts, three nights, and g- right. give you some time <laughs> to work through some shit. Yeah, because, like,
1: even, the, like, when they're reading the guy's journal, like, he was having a good time, like, up until, you know.
0: Up until he was
1: Yeah, exactly, but it's, like, even if you're reading that, it's, like, he's having a time of his life. Like, why diminish that? Like, granted, things, like, and then they didn't even talk about, like, they hinted at, like, how he maybe died and it was, like, neglect or whatever, like, they treated him wrong, but it's, like, I don't know. It's, like, well, that would have been interesting more from a medical perspective to see what happened back there, but... Yeah. um, Yeah, and, you know, it would be more interesting, like, they do talk about, like, all the... um, They talk about some of the rape and the, uh, the sexual assaults, and I'm, like, you know... I would have liked to see more, like, the the females that were there, the girls that were there, kind of talk about from their perspective. Because, like, it's not their fault that it had, but it's like there was – it felt like a culture that was there that was just, like, it was okay. Like, no one said, no, it's not okay. And maybe that was just being a young white dude. Like, that just – it seemed like it was okay to do. But, I mean – some things went over. I don't know. It was just weird. Like, I guess it would have like a little bit more from that perspective. Yeah. You know, cause you know, it's like, yeah, I mean the, every, the whole chant, like every, all, every, all weekend was, you know, show us your tits, you know, anytime you saw a girl, it's just like, that's what people said. Show us your tits. And they would, or they wouldn't, you know, it's like, I didn't, I didn't see anyone like super harass anybody, but we definitely said that throughout the weekend. <laughs> it was, and, a, a common and some of that
0: comes from, like, the values at the time. And, right. you know, the fact, that, like, that's the type of stuff you would see in American Pie movie and be like, well, that's what our entertainment's pointing at us. And that they're right. trying to make that connection that,
1: you know, like, our entertainment
0: right. is telling us this is okay. So, like. Right. Um, and,
1: you know, and the, the one thing they talk about, they mentioned briefly, which probably a more bigger influence on that part is the girls gone wild series. Mm-hmm. I remember trying to watch like blurry versions of girls gone wild on pay per view and be like, man, where are all these girls that are just flashing your tits and, you know, getting naked. Like, I want to be there, you know? So it made it out. seem like, but it seemed like it was okay. Cause they never told like, they never said from the girl's perspective, like that. They were, they always seemed like they were doing it willingly, mm-hmm. I guess. And, you know, maybe they weren't, maybe they were under the influence and maybe it wasn't quite the way it was presented. But that's just how it was presented. And that's, you know, I don't know. It just seemed like that's what... Yeah, I guess I I would
0: have preferred, I would have liked to have heard some of the female perspective, a little more of the female perspective as well. And not necessarily from like Jewel, who was a performer, but like more female attendees. And maybe they just couldn't get some who wanted to speak or what have you. I don't know. But, um... Yeah, um, I think I've kind of exhausted everything I have to say. But Woodstock '99, you got anything <laughs> oh, yeah. else
1: before we wrap up? No, I don't think so. I think that's uh, all right. Pretty much everything I was gonna wanted to talk about. Yeah, well, get off my chest. Feel <laughs>
0: like <laughs> well, before I let you go, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about the Twisted Dreams Film Festival, when it's happening this year, and um, where people can find you guys?
1: Yeah, so Twisted Dreams Film Festival come back again live after being virtual for two years, uh, it's October 14th, 15th and 16th, uh, be at the Avalon theater. So a new location for us, um, a uh, lot more space for vendors. So we're hoping to get some vendors and some celebrities there. And, uh, yeah, find us on Facebook, uh, twisted dreams, FF, um, uh, same thing with our website, twisted dreams, Uh, and that's FF as in film festival. Um, so, yeah, find us there, and it's us uh, keep you up to date on, you know, all that's going on. We're still getting – submissions still open, so if any filmmakers are out there and want to submit some films, they still got some time, and, yeah, then it's the hard part of watching all those movies and trying <laughs> to figure out which one – it's always heartbreaking because some of them you really like, and you have to – you know, it just doesn't fit or something happens. Like, it's just not going to work, and, okay. man, I really love that movie. I wish more people could see it, but – yeah, um, so. If you do get rejected, it's not personal. It's, um, you know, it's hard. It's a hard decision. It's a hard process because we could show more, we would. But we, it's limited.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll definitely be there this year. And um... All right. Uh, yeah, everyone should check it out. And once again, Steve, thanks for coming on. I've always enjoyed when you've been on. Usually, I've had you on for like our Patreon, some of our Patreon stuff. I know I had right. you do some. uh you did. You record some audio clips for a previous episode. But uh, right. yeah, I always enjoy having you around.
1: Yeah, thanks. Always, always enjoy talking to you. It's weird. I was gonna say because like, I listen to your podcast all the time. Like oh, I you. feel like you know, like I'm feel like I'm good friends with you and Nick, even though like I don't talk to you that much, but. You know, like you're always in my car when I'm driving, and it's like. Well, I appreciate like, oh. hearing
0: that. You can reach out at any time. We are friends. I know it's just <laughs>
1: weird though, because like, like I feel like I know so much about you guys, and you know, and it's like you're just like my good friends. And I've never met Nick, so I have nobody. But I'm sure he's well, a great guy. I'm trying guy, to get but... him
0: down here again, because uh, he. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll let Nick know that he needs to he needs to pop up more often.
1: Right. Well, like I said, I might go down and visit him for his uh, taco. Bar that he just does on the table or whatever he was talking about. I'll
0: be there for he's He's doing a little wedding shindig in August, so I'll be down there and I'll tell him we'll have to have some. I'll tell him we'll have to come and visit and we'll have to get some table nachos.
1: (laughs) Right? Sounded amazing. All
0: right. Well, thanks again, Steve. All right. right, No problem. And everyone listening, you guys know where to find us. And at this point, Uh, By the time this episode is released, I'm sure you guys have already known the big news that we are officially part of the CinePunks Network. I didn't say it up top because I didn't write out my intro, but this is now the CinePunks Presents The Shameless Picture Show. So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk soon. The Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee,
1: Wisconsin, and Easton, Maryland, and is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Viers. Today's episode was edited by Michael Viers. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration by Zach McClain. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 Speed. The shameless graphic design is masterfully done by Amanda Byers. An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.